Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I've discovered something about Facebook, at least my Facebook, uh, and that is whenever I post witty sayings about theology or reflections on God or like a link to like a really cool blog or article that I read that I really like, I get like two or three comments. But whenever I say, you know, Nora scored a goal at her soccer game, you know, there's like 30 people who like it and like 20 people who are like, yay, you know. So I, I realized that all you really care about, at least about me or my Facebook friends, all they care about is, is my kids. And um, so to feed this a little bit more, last night we, we put up some pictures. We just got back some family pictures, and so we put up, you know, 20, 25 pictures of our kids. i uh, thinking, surely you would rather me post a link to a blog about the kingdom eschatology. But uh, uh, instead there was like, you know, all these comments of people saying, oh, your kids are so beautiful, they're so great, and... And they are, they are, all those things. And there's something about kids that, uh, whether they're yours or not, uh, that it, it pulls on this nostalgia in our hearts. We just sort of, it just kind of warms you up. You, you see a picture of kids or a movie about, you know, little kids singing or whatever, and you just feel, oh, it's so, it's so, it's so great. I love kids. No, you don't. You love the idea of kids. Because if you have kids, you realize there's more to them than those beautiful pictures of them in the swing or whatever it is. Uh, uh, I've had all kinds of interesting uh, conversations with our kids, even at this young age. Um, the other night, thanks to my wife, you know, Holly's very good about getting me, reminding me that I should, uh, you know, read the Bible to them at night and not just the fiction stuff that they're working on. And so the other night we sat down, we were reading through the children's Bible, and, and uh, we're reading the story of Noah and... and um, you know, Nora's a bit younger, so she's kind of distracted and running around, and Sophia's sitting down next to me and really interested. And, and to my delight, before I finish the story, she says, Dad, I know what happens, and then she goes on and finishes the story, and I'm thinking, this is awesome. This is great. You're a good kid. And then she says, now, Dad, you know, God says here that he will never destroy the earth again by flood, but um, what about when he, does he send the tornadoes and stuff? I was like, what, what, what do you mean? You know, like when there's earthquakes and tornadoes, like, is that God? Is God sending that? Thinking, gee, what happened to flannel board stories about Noah's Ark and the rainbow and good night, you know? And I'm saying, well, uh, yes. Uh, the, well, no, I mean, uh, the world is not exact, you know, and I'm trying to decide how do I explain uh, the effect of evil in the world to a six-year-old, you know? So we talked through it a little bit. But there's, there's so many times when having children makes you feel aware of your own inadequacies. Anybody ever felt that? You know, like early on you sort of realize like, okay, wait a minute. Why does my own child make me feel like a child? <laughs> because I don't know. And then those of you that, that have raised older children from what I've heard from many of you is that apparently there comes this moment as your child becomes a teenager and then a 20-year-old and all this stuff. There are these moments where you say, you know, I just wish... Life was as easy as giving you a bottle and putting you down for a nap, you know. I can't control your schedule anymore, you know. 
And, uh, and, so, and so in a different way, you sort of feel like children make you feel like a child again because you think, here I am, powerless. Here I thought that having a child would make me feel in a position of strength or influence, and yet so often it's the opposite, isn't it? That, that being around children, whether it's young children or watching them grow, makes us keenly aware of our own powerlessness, our own inability to sort of script life or make things go a particular way. The text that we're looking at tonight is, is maybe one of the most warm and fuzzy moments in the Gospels. It's when the children come to Jesus and the disciples are trying to keep them away. And Jesus says, no, if you memorized it in the King James, you know, suffer not the little ones to come unto me, you know. And there's probably some good painting with pastels and a brown-haired Jesus with blue eyes that's blessing these babies. And you're thinking, he's just so awesome. But if we're really honest, we hear this story and we think, I kind of relate to those disciples. And so I want us to look at the text tonight and see uh, maybe what Jesus was saying and see different ways that this text can kind of uh, resonate with us. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke 18, and we'll start with verse 15. And people were bringing babies to Jesus so that he would bless them. And when the disciples saw this, they scolded them. And then Jesus called them to him and said, Allow the children to come to me. Don't forbid them, because God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. I assure you that whoever does not welcome God's kingdom like a child will never enter it. Children in the first century in the New Testament era um, lived a very precarious life. In fact, uh, high infant mortality rates, and so it's possible that these parents or these people are bringing babies to Jesus because they're worried that this baby may not make it. Uh, in, in a very real way, the odds may have been stacked against them. And so they're saying, okay, Jesus, can you do something to bless this baby or bless this child so that they'll make it, uh, so that they'll s- survive? Um, but in another sense, children in Jesus' day were often uh, viewed as, and, uh, and follow me in this, viewed as not adults. Meaning, you're not quite there yet, you have no functionality, you can't really help with the farm work, and you can't really help with the housework, and you really can't help, you're just sort of there. And maybe in some sense, uh, you, you, you get this, this feeling that children were, were in the way until they were old enough to really be able to do something, to contribute, to help. This phrase that Luke uses, little children, uh, is a phrase sometimes used to describe slaves, um, it, it, oh, people in a position of subordination in the Roman household. So even this phrase, the little children, it's sort of this thing of, yeah, 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 the, the ones who are under our authority, they are, they are less than maybe in some way. Uh, you, you might even say that, look, if you're an important person, you don't waste your time on children. And that's why, to some degree, the disciples are acting the way that they're making decisions. It's kind of par for the course. They're, say, they're saying, look, we think Jesus is pretty special. We think he's kind of a big deal. He's got many leather-bound books. This guy is a big deal. Don't, don't bother him. Would you just, 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 just away with the kids? Now, Jesus' response, of course, is remarkable because he says, no, 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 allow them to come. The kingdom of God is made up of people just like these. God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. This theme is actually a, a consistent theme for Luke. 
If you think back with me over, and I know you've memorized all the different sermons we've done through the book of Luke, but so just pull them up from your mental catalog here. But Luke makes it a point to show us who God, Jesus is bringing the kingdom to. Now, this kingdom lens is a big deal because, uh, again, it's, it's, it's not just about, okay, who's going to make it to heaven and who's not going to make it to heaven. It's, it's really this bigger story of God coming to rule in His world, coming to set right, coming to save, and yes, even coming to judge. And so when Jesus starts talking about the kingdom, He's saying, God's king. I'm proof of it. Actually, I'm going to be king. And are you with me or are you against me? Little tip, it's better if you're with me. Okay? And so Jesus repeatedly is talking about the kingdom, but there's this theme in Luke where Luke makes a point to show us who Jesus is coming to. He comes to the left out. Let's see, is that the first one, David? I don't know. You can put it up there and lead me in this. Jesus is bringing the kingdom. The left out. Hey, there it is. And, uh, and you see this repeatedly when Luke tells us stories about the Samaritan or tells us stories like last week about the leper. There are all these people that in their society would have been the ones that are left out, marginalized, kind of pushed to the side. And Luke highlights for us Jesus saying, hey, look, I've come to them. Luke makes it a point to show us Jesus coming to the least, uh, to the last, rather, the poor, the beggar. These are the, the stories where Jesus says, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, look, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Or he goes on, and that's Luke 4. Then in Luke 6, he says, look, I've got an announcement. Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom belongs to them. Luke repeatedly highlights a portion of Jesus' message that's saying, hey, look, to the left out, to the last, God's rule belongs to you. And so this theme here, the left out, the last, and even the least, the ones who are the little ones. Children are a picture of this. They are a picture in this day of, of, of the very ones who are the least, the ones who don't matter, the ones who don't have significance, the ones who are sort of, ah. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, the kingdom belongs to ones such as these. The left out, the last, the least, repeatedly through this book, through this gospel, it's, it's this theme all through Luke of Jesus saying, no, 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 even to you guys. It's here. Now think about how opposite that is, even for us. Even in our world where we don't have a hostile attitude towards children, you know, we all kind of generally want to think warm, fuzzy thoughts about children and all this stuff. Even with us, who do you think is great? Who do you think is the greatest? Obviously, um, what comes to my mind is uh, a few weeks ago when Steve Jobs passed and there was all the stuff on social media and all over the news about what a great man he was and certainly there was something great about his life and the risks that he took. But we have this way of holding up a person who was an incredible inventor or an entrepreneur or a guy who was a man of great vision. That's great. And what if in the midst of our world that has Time Magazine covers of inventors and rich people and entrepreneurs and powerful people, in the midst of all of that, Jesus takes a little child and says, this is great. That actually a child is greater than this man. Uh, Twitter was, was a buzz, you know, around the, the, the death, the passing of, of 
Steve Jobs, and there are many Christian leaders who are saying, now this is what it really means to change the world. This was a man who actually changed the world, and this is what we need to aspire to be like. And I understand what they're saying, and I appreciate it, and I certainly appreciate my Apple products. But I would suggest that Jesus would hold up a child and say, actually, I don't want you to aspire to be the powerful or the rich or the ones who run the world. I want you to aspire to be like the least. Oh, whoa, 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 Jesus, what? Excuse me, but I became a Christian so that I could change the world and do something special. What do you mean that the kingdom belongs to ones such as these? This phrase that is really kind of the zinger of this text is the whoever does not welcome God's kingdom like a child will not enter it. If you think about it, you can really kind of take it to mean two, two things. Does it mean we should welcome the kingdom the way a child welcomes the kingdom? Yeah, that's one angle of it. But there's another angle to it that goes something like this. That you welcome the kingdom the way you welcome a child. Receive the kingdom the way you should receive a child. Now you think, well, wait, wait a minute, Glenn. Is that really what... Jesus is saying, look here, a few chapters earlier, Luke 9, 46 to 48, an argument arose among the disciples about which of them was the greatest. Aware of their deepest thoughts, Jesus took a little child and had the child stand beside him. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever is least among you will be the greatest. Could it be that there's something about the way that we receive the kingdom is really quite a bit like the way that we receive a child? What what does that mean, Glenn? How how in the world do we we receive a child? How do we treat a child? Earlier this week, um, Jonas, our almost two-year-old son, um, got a fever. And it it seemed like there was something else beyond the fever, maybe a toothache or or a... sore throat or a headache. We were asking him to tell us his symptoms, and he couldn't, wouldn't say anything, but um, it's a joke. He's two. <laughs> but there were quite a few nights in a row where, you know, parents, you know this feeling where you go to bed, and you're thinking, okay, is he down? Like, is he for real down? Like, is this it? Or are we going to be awakened in the middle of the night? Sure enough, for three nights in a row, we were awakened in the middle of the night. And, uh, and, and, you know, Holly and I, we, we take turns. She always goes first because she's nice that way. And um, so if he wakes up a second time in the night, then it's my turn. Well, th- this is just kind of a side note. But when he does wake up in the middle of the night and we have to take him out of his room, oftentimes the first words out of his mouth are, Papa? So it's it's kind of cool. So we take him down, we put on Sports Center, and he's, he's all better. So it's great. And then 15 minutes later, we take him back up, and he's out. I, I, it's amazing. Um, Train up a child, you know, in the way. Anyway, um, sorry. But there's something about how we receive a child. You know, it, it takes quite a bit of lowering of yourself to receive a child. It takes quite a bit of losing your own pretension. A child doesn't care about your resume. You can't say to a child, excuse me, do you know that I have a master's degree? I don't wake up at 3 in the morning. That is not my, on my job. A child, there's no pretensions that work with a child. 
You don't, you don't talk to a child and say, no, listen, I just want you to know that your, your dad is an amazing person. A child doesn't care. To welcome a child, actually, there's, only one, there's a few body language things that a child relates to. One of them is this. Right? To receive a child, you go low. And I think what Jesus is saying is, look, you want to receive the kingdom? Receive it like you would be receiving a child. Go low. Lose your pretension. Stop trying to impress me. It doesn't matter. Status? I don't care. What you've accomplished? Yeah, not interested. How good you've been this week? Yeah. Can you get down low? Can you lose the pretension? Can you be humble? Can you receive a child? I think the flip of this is maybe an interesting kind of test or gauge for us, and that is this. Maybe one of the signs that we've become self-important is that we have no time for children. Maybe one of the signs that we've become self-important is that we have no time for children. Uh, This is convicting to me. Because it's very easy for me to think, oh, I, look, I, mean, I, I, got, I got this to do. I really had this plan for my evening. And I was really hoping that if they went to bed on time, you know, then I could get this reading done. And you know, I've got this really great theology book that just came in the mail. And I just need to be studying this or doing that. You know. And it's, if I really am honest with myself, so often I, I think, you know, I think deep down inside that my time is more important than them. Right? I mean, I, I've, man, I've been there. I'll be the chief of sinners before you, and say that. I've, yeah, I, I think deep down, if I'm honest, that that's true. That somewhere inside, I'm kind of thinking like, hey, my, my time is more important. Or maybe I just send that message when I look at the email on my phone while they're there. Do you know how easy it is for us as parents to live around our children instead of really living with them? How easy it is to sort of, you know, hey, that's great, great job, honey. And how difficult it is to really stop and to say, you know what, this, yeah, this, this, does, this is not that important. You, you, you are important. And maybe this is a gauge for us that if we start to sort of push aside or dismiss children, maybe it's one of the signs we think we're a bigger deal than we really are. So you think you're all that. So you think you're important. So you think you have status. So you think you are pretty neat. And Jesus is, is saying look to the disciples, look, this whole way that you're treating children and ignoring them, you know, that's a sign that you think you're better than that. That's a sign that you believe you've outgrown that stage. And you are now important. And Jesus is saying, you don't get it. In the kingdom, we're all like kids. So receive a child. Maybe for many of us, there's not children in our lives on a daily basis, but who are the ones that represent for you the least? Maybe it's the person who like, always wants to talk at work, and you're like, yeah, dude, <laughs> that's not how I want to spend my lunch break. Who's the least in your world? Who are the ones that you're saying, I'm too important for you? And is, there, is that a sign that we've forgotten how to get low? The second thing 
The second angle of looking at that word, so maybe receive the kingdom like we would receive a child, but maybe the more familiar angle on it is receive the kingdom the way a child receives it. Well, how does a child receive anything? My kids are around on Sunday nights, and you know, usually they're here in the lobby a little bit, and they're, they're doing like the kids' choir thing pre-service this fall, but normally they're around in the lobby at 4 o'clock or 4, you know, 4.30 waiting to go over to their class. And, and so some of you kind folks that work with the candy baskets think it's a pretty good idea to give my kids a handful of candy. And I just want you to know I don't appreciate it. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my children have no problem receiving candy. Not once as they said, oh, you know, I'm not sure I deserve this. I got 9 out of 10 on my spelling test this week, and I really not, am not worthy. They don't usually stop someone from giving them something and say, now, wait, wait, wait a second, could you quiz me on my phonograms real quick? In first grade, I mean, this is kind of the world we're in. No, they're ha- they happily take it. Candy, all right. And maybe there's something about this awareness that kids, yeah, hey, whoa, gift. And Jesus is saying, would you guys quit it already with your pretension about like, hey, I'm a Pharisee and hey, I'm the... By the way, this story comes right after a, a parable that Jesus tells about a Pharisee. And we're, we're going to read this story here in just a moment in Luke 18. Let's read it now. Verse 9 through 14. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous. That's not any of us, is it? And who looked on everyone else with disgust. Oh, her. Why is she? Why is he? Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words. Which, you know, anyway, uh, maybe as a side note, when you, anyway, okay, praying about himself. That's probably, you're off on the wrong foot there already. God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else. Those crooks and evildoers and adulterers. Or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. Uh, the, the word there for us is tithe. Okay? It's just other ways that we feel superior. I, I tithe. I went to New Life next. Six times. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he stuck out his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. And it's right after this parable that Luke tells us the story of the children. Gee, what do you think Luke's trying to say? That Jesus is saying, enough already with thinking you're all that. Receive a kingdom like a child receives something. Not pretending that they deserve it. Just saying, hey, wow, hey, thanks. Oh my gosh, really? Forgiveness? No way. What? Yeah, no, 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 for real. Receive it like that. Like the sinner who says, oh God, have mercy. I got nothing. I got nothing to sort of impress you with. 
And maybe if we flip this kind of, look at this backwards and say, all right, what, 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 what's, the, what's the gauge here for our own heart? Maybe one of the signs that we've become self-righteous is when we begin to deny others access to Jesus. When we begin to say, well, hey, hold on, hold on. now listen, now, it's one thing for me to be, you know, because, I, you know, after all, I do this and I do this, you know, but, but really, should, should he be given a second chance? Should she be forgiven? For, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I mean, how much are we going to push this grace thing all the way? All the way. That there is no one left out last or least. That Jesus is saying, anyone who cries out, Anyone who becomes like a child and says, yeah, I've got nothing. Not once has my, have my daughters offered to pay for the candy that has been given to them. <laughs> I could go on. There's an there's a awareness maybe of their utter pennilessness. <laughs> Bankruptcy, but they wouldn't know that word. I wonder if However we take this text, whether it's that we receive a kingdom the way we receive a child, or whether it's we receive the kingdom like a child receives it, don't you think either way it's the same point? Either way it's the same point, isn't it? Get over yourself. No. <laughs> sort of. I mean, kind of. I mean, kind of the same. The point sort of from either angle is, yeah, you don't have anything here. No pretensions, no errors, no false reliance on self. This is really about you saying, I'm a child, I'm empty, I'm dependent, I need it. I think it's interesting that Luke, that this story appears in all three, in the three synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Matthew and Mark say children. Luke says... Babies. I think what Luke is trying to do is he's trying to get to the basement. He's trying to say, let's go even lower than children. Who's even more dependent than a child? A baby. Who can say nothing, ask for nothing, except cry out like the sinner who beats his chest and cried out? Who is the one that is utterly dependent? I'm looking at little Dexter right here, you know, Jesse and Cassie's little boy. He's so sweet. How old is he now? He's six months already, right? And how he's like sort of 12 pounds. He was born seven weeks early, seven and a half weeks early. Was three and a half pounds when he was born? Two pounds, 14 ounces. Doesn't get much more dependent than that. And Jesus says, if you don't receive the kingdom like one of these, you won't enter it. What can Dex do for you? That sounds like a commercial, doesn't it? It probably is. It probably is. Nothing. Your little Dex can't do anything for you. Has he told you he loves you? Has he said thank you? He's doing a lot of that, probably. Just crying. Just resting. I think something happens in us, church. When you really believe that you are like a child before the Father... I think it shows up in the way we treat others who are the least. 
Does that make sense? I wonder if maybe sometimes my own impatience as a parent or my own sort of irritation or whatever, I wonder if some of that is because I forget that I'm a child before my father. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's not like that we need better parenting techniques. Maybe it's that we need an awareness of our own dependence on our Heavenly Father that makes us better fathers and mothers. Maybe, maybe we don't need more like how-to tips. Maybe we just need daily reminders that we too are like a child dependent on the grace that Christ gives us, the bread and the cup that we take each week. Maybe when we really realize that, and then we see a child helpless, vulnerable, like the ones in Swaziland, we say, you know what? That kid over there on the other side of the world is just like me. We're both absolutely dependent. And because I have been given much in Christ, I will give much away. Do you see that? Look, we're not calling you to serve in the nursery or sponsor children or care for our own children because we just got to be better people. No way. I'm calling you to do this because it's an awareness that we are all dependent children. Does that make sense? We don't do this out of a way to sort of impress God. Hey, look, God, I'm sponsoring a child. Hey, look, God, I'm serving. No, 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 no. It's saying, hey, God, hey, God, I understand that I'm empty and dependent and broken. And that child is too. But Jesus, I've received your grace. And so freely I have received, freely I give. So may God help us to love the little ones in our lives. Children or symbolically the ones who are the least. May God give us the grace to love the little ones. Because we recognize that we ourselves are little ones. May God give us the strength to take the very bread that he's given us and give it away to others. Because we are like the least of these. We're all in this camp together. Let's pray. For some of us, the thing to think about is very simple, to confess in a fresh way our dependence on Christ, and to say, Jesus, thank you that you're the kind of Savior that welcomes little children, welcomes even the babies, the least, because Jesus, that's me, that's me, (laughs) I'm a mess. I'm dependent. Maybe we start there. Some of us can also think of people in our lives that that we want to bring to Jesus. And maybe we're like the parents of these children who are saying, Oh, Jesus, would you bless this, this little one? Maybe it's your literal child, the one that you, have, you, know, you can't control, you're powerless. Jesus, would you bless this child of mine, help them where they are? Some of you parents, maybe that's your prayer. 
maybe for others of you, there's a person in your life, maybe a, a person who's just come, just started walking with Christ. They're like a child. Maybe it's someone else. And you can pray like these parents did, say, Jesus, I'm bringing them to you. Would you bless them? Would you put your hands on them? Maybe others of us are thinking, well, maybe, maybe I need to go look at the table of the, our community in Swazi that we're partnering with. Maybe by sponsoring them, I'm carrying them to Jesus and saying, Jesus, put your hands on them. Bless them. Our Father, we come, we come low, humble, empty, dependent. Now there's nothing that we have, nothing that we have, not a dime to our name. Thank you, Jesus, that you welcome the little ones. Thank you that you welcome us. Thank you that you put, you've put your hands on us and you've blessed us. Teach us to live low like this. From what you've given us, may we keep bringing the other little ones to you. Jesus, bless our children. Jesus, bless those that society calls the least. Jesus, bless these vulnerable children in Swaziland, that New Life is partnering with this community, with this church, with the pastor that we heard from through a video a couple weeks ago. Jesus, bless. Put your hands on them. Thank you that you're the Savior that welcomes the little ones. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. I'm going to be at one of these back doors, if I can decide. Probably this one. See you next week, eh? Hey?